Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back. How are you guys? Well, Connor, I am good. I'm a little toasty. A little toasty. A little heaty. Yes, but, you know, things are, they're good. Yeah. Well, hey, it's uh, summer vacation, so why wouldn't they be good? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it. I know we have been we haven't been around for a little while. We've all been enjoying uh, some time off. Yes, um, some summer fun. Some summer fun. Yeah, I think uh, like three weeks in a row. Basically, I think we were all doing one, something or in one place or another. Yes, but uh, we had a chance to get together this week and uh, kind of break some stuff down. So that's what we're going to do today. Yes, but I got I got to start off strong. I hope. Um, just recently, uh, as of this weekend, we had Star Wars Visions uh, previewed. At the uh, Anime Expo. Uh, light. Light. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yes. Uh, now, I'm not big on anime. My biggest anime was probably Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and I know a lot of people will be like, well, that's not real anime. And it's like, okay, I don't know. Yes. I mean, I will not. <laughs> thus the qualifier. Thus right. the qualifier. <laughs> I will not, yeah. I will not claim any, like, anime credentials whatsoever. Because I think, like, Dragon Ball's about the only thing I've ever Watch it, and I haven't even watched that much of it. So. I mean, would you even call something like Pokemon back in the day, or is that? I mean, has yeah. that was that became too Americanized? I don't know. I think that that really that straddles the line. Yeah, I can see that for sure. You want to know how old school anime I am? Speed Racer. Yeah, that is anime. That's anime to me, man. I don't know. <laughs> to me, you are anime. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's let's actually break this down. So they had a trailer release, and they where they talked about the uh, the making of it. Um, it looks stellar. It's yes. going to be an anthology series. Yes, um, and it's going to be previewing uh, nine separate stories by mm-hmm. like I think uh, nine or so different studios. It's going to be pretty amazing. Um, Got some uh, studio mates uh, chatting up a storm. Apparently, yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. So. But uh, to that end, uh, I want to go through each episode here. Uh, they they previewed what each episode's called and what it's going to be about a little bit. So I just want to go uh, view by view and let's talk about it a little bit. The very first one uh, is called Tatooine Rhapsody. Yes. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. It's done by Stu- uh, Studio Colorado. Uh, Colorado. I don't know. Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. Col- I don't know. It's not spelled like Colorado, so that's why I didn't want to. They pronounce make my it favorite like animes. No, yes, that's the other thing. There was a gentleman right off the bat who pronounced it anime, which kind of threw us off. Yes. But anyways, uh, Tatooine Rhapsody is described as a rock opera starring a band dreaming of making it big. It will feature characters like Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett, and be presented through a more chibi style. Uh, and uh, so we took a chance, and they blew us away with the style and the characters and the tone, executive producer Josh Rhymes have said. So that's just a little preview that I've read off of there. Uh, moving on to the next one, I am I think this one is probably one I'm most excited about just because of how the old style uh, kind of resonates with it. It's called The Duel by Kami, uh, Kamikaze uh, Duga. Kamikaze. Kamikaze? Yes. All right. Sorry. I, I'm struggling here. I pronounce, I, I'm sorry with the different pronunciations. Um, now read it like a yinzer. Yinzer. Okay. Kamikaze Duga. The duel will be animated in black and white with dishes of color, uh, down the lightsabers and other elements there. Uh, it is meant to be a love letter to Japan Star Wars uh, featuring samurai light set and Jedi uh, with the astromech with a straw hat. Bro. 
<laughs> not not quite Pittsburgh dad, but either way, yeah, like Pittsburgh uncle. Yeah, <laughs> Love it. we were all overwhelmed when we saw this artwork. Blah 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 blah. But still, uh, the style of it uh, kind of it, it has a very old Akira kind of like uh, feel to it. Yes, um, and I think that it's it is kind of like the ultimate blending of like okay, like you know, a lot of the videography, cinematography, iconography mm. of. Star Wars, like in George Lucas's mind, always was influenced by Kurosawa, Kurosawa, Kurosawa. as as we've talked about many a time here. And, and it, now it's just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to actually do that. Uh, well, that's just <laughs> it. Like, I'm excited to see what they're going to go do moving forward just based on that alone. Yes. You know, and I, I, I said this to my brother-in-law uh, yesterday when I showed him the trailer. He's big on anime. And like I said as much that like. It, because of that influence, like it, this is only like the natural progression at that point. Yes. You know, it's kind of bringing it back to its roots a little bit. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to see what they do. Uh, the next preview I have is for Lop and Ocho. Uh, this anthology will be about a uh, uh, <laughs> dichotomy of nature and machines represented by the Empire. The design style of this short really focuses on the collision between natural beauty and encroaching industrialization. The character Lop is a bunny person described as expressive and loyal. Lop, in other words, is like another Lepi. Uh, we yes. talked about Lepi before. Jackson, uh, he was like part of my one of my favorite yeah. stories out of that thing. Nice. So I was excited to be like, oh, they're actually bringing in like it's so like I mean that's the other side of it too. They can make they can make this anything they want. You know, because yeah. it's, they have that freedom of it. But yeah, like, this is like it's not bound to any sort of timeline. It's, right. You know, it's it. I guess you could say this is this is almost like a legends entry. Oh yeah. Like myths and myths and fables at that point. Yes. I think that's kind of what their angle was. Yes. You know. Uh but even to that end, like I said, I just I'm I'm happy that when they go for anthropomorphic uh humanoid characters, they happen to pick one that was already kind of established in the series. So fun times. Fun yes. times. Uh the next one is twins, the twins rather. Yeah, it says it is a play on the story of Luke and Leia. The main characters are born into the dark side. The story is about how far the brother will go to save his sister. Yeah. So this that, one, I like in addition to the duel, like, yeah. I mean, obviously that's, I guess, always what I'm going to be drawn towards. But like the weight of that story just immediately struck me as like, I'm ready for this one. Do you remember those previews they had for Knights of the Old Republic? Um, like the very high stylized, uh, well animated like previews. Mm-hmm. There was one, I forget which expansion it was for, but it featured twins. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was one, one in like a black tuxedo or uh, suit and the other one was in a white suit. And now featured I'm imagining them. tuxedos. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, they were fancy, fancy people and uh, they got their tuxedos dirty. No, but I mean, that's kind of where I'm, my mind is leaning in that point because that has that same sort of feel to it. And it will be interesting to see uh, the whole twin dynamic play out because not only with Luke and Leia, but we've seen it with uh, Jaina and Jason and yes. everything else leaning up to it. So Always always room for more twins in the Star Wars universe. Of course, of course. Well, from the same studio as the twins, uh, we have the next one. It's called The Elder. Uh, the Elder is about the relationship between a master and Padawan. The two must work together when they encounter an unknown enemy. I wanted to make this period place... Uh, Period piece with a taste of Star Wars. Director Mishi, uh, Masahiko uh, Atsuka. I'm really pronouncing these awfully. I'm sorry. He <laughs> says, I am happy I uh, directed a Star Wars episode as my final work. Oh, that's interesting. 
So this is, so this is going to be his final take on it. Yes. But even to that, like the vibe that I'm getting off of the image that they're showing right here is also, again, very like old school stylized like mm-hmm. uh, anime, which I appreciate. Yes. You got that. And just the, the master Padawan dynamic mm-hmm. of that story is, is another, you know, it's, it's that kind of classic Star Wars language, but hopefully reimagined. And, and even just bringing like uh, the samurai aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. That's that, I mean, I see that much more in it now. Yes. Um, the next one we have is uh, by Cinema Citrus. It is The Village Bride. Uh, the Village Bride follows a fallen Jedi uh, in a small village on the eve of her wedding day. It features a traditional Japanese culture of mountains. Uh, the uh, Kanako Shirakasi, the he's the producer, he described it as po- poetic and romantically bittersweet while also approaching the Force in a surprising way. So that should be interesting. It's uh, one of those stories of maybe it's one of the lost 20, one of the fabled lost 20. Perhaps. Perhaps. You never know. Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, as for the next one, we have it's done by uh, Science Zero. It's uh, Akikiri. Akikiri. Akakiri. I think I pronounced it. I think it it's right. Akakiri. Akakiri. Yeah, it's a beautiful yet painful story about a princess. Uh, the project will have will have the same sound design as the classic anime series Astro Boy, which sounds pretty cool. Yes. Uh, the Vigilance Project both uh, takes inspiration from the balance of East and West, as well as the works of Akira Kurosawa. So there you go. See, like I was hoping they would kind of go for that, and like even going into the next one, it's the same company too. The whole Astro Boy vibe. Um, for this one is TOB1 or Toby, I guess you could call it, or Tobi. Uh, it's a it is, has a vintage and retro feeling to it. Uh, it takes inspiration from Astro Boy and its style. The story follows a droid whose dreams of becoming a Jedi. So it's kind of like Skippy at that point. <laughs> That's exciting. That's it. Uh, projects will take inspiration from Balance of East and West as well as the works of Akira Kurosawa. So basically, it's kind of the same. Uh, follow through <laughs> and then finally uh, the very last one we have uh, by production production IG the ninth Jedi the story is set in the time where Jedi were only legends and were forced to return to face a looming threat the daughter of a lightsaber smith seeks out the Jedi to deliver the, uh, them their weapons the Jedi the story is also about the eight warriors coming together and trusting each other the score was recorded at the uh, Musa Kawasaki Symphony Hall. Man, (laughs) I am really tripping over myself today. I'm so sorry. This is uh, quite the... uh, It it is a challenge. And, you know, we kind of are just playing fast and loose with this. You know, we were like, all right, this is cool. We're going to (laughs) talk about this, but... You know, probably with a little bit more time, we could have done some more phonetic. That's uh, fair. Again, this was like, I mean, this is pretty fresh off the cuff, too. So I apologize. Uh, It's also early uh, and I'm running out of excuses. So (laughs) there we go. It's the long holiday weekend. Yes. But hey, in other news, Uta Puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greeter Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars and anything even freaking related to Star Wars. And as always, we're joined by producer Brian. Brian, how you doing over there? I'm I'm doing well. I'm a little sweaty, a little, little sticky, sweaty, a little sticky. It's getting warm in here. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that that goes into what we were talking tis, about. Tis at the, the top. season. Yes. Yes. It's uh it uh, the uh, the area that we rent uh, to actually record this uh, gets a little too hot under the collar in the summer months. Yes. So uh, we haven't had a chance to come back and really install any kind of like fan or 
AC or anything like that. So if you hear any kind of fans in the background, that's what's going on. We're just trying not to sweat to death. <laughs> We're limping along. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we wanted to do something fun today. We, we've been off for a while, and uh, we wanted to come back and do our – we wanted to pay off our book club. Yes. And so today we are not only going to be reviewing uh, – Star Wars Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price, but we were going to do a small overview of the, f- the previous book, Star Wars Alphabet Bo- Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall. Shadowfall. Uh, I mean, who, what else is there to say about it? Uh, <laughs> we we uh, both had a chance to not really uh, cover Shadowfall when it came out. Exactly, we weren't it was, recording it. Yeah, time. it was while we were kind of in our off season, and I think. Ultimately, and as we get into this, we'll, we'll touch on this bit. I don't know that either of us really wanted to <laughs> review Shadowfall as much. I said as much that like I, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the rare opportunities where like went the book that I probably won't go back to anytime soon. Yeah, you know. And granted, I I have the audiobook versions of them, so that I have my own grievance on that. But it is, uh, it was a more of a, a slog. But there are there are parts of that book we're gonna have to bring up to actually review Alphabet Squadron properly. Yes. Um, so just wanted to preface that a little bit before going into it. But, yes. Um, right off the bat, uh, I just want to say that this series overall was, I mean, I'd say it's more adult than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's they definitely don't shy away from some of the violent aspects, from just some of the ugliness of war, I think you could say. Right. Um you know, it's it is a story about like a lot of people dying. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, even to that end, it, this takes place right after the Battle of Endor. Yeah. Uh, so that we're talking about another Death Star completely gone. And then, if you're paying attention to anything else in Star Wars media, at this point is the beginning of Operation Cinder. Yes. Uh, Operation Cinder gets a lot of mentions in the very first book, and mm-hmm. we see that carry over into these two books. Yes. Um, so we'll be going over that a little bit. Um, and then the characters themselves, uh, I think we need to take some time and kind of dive on each character, what we think on it. Um, so without wasting any time, I say let's jump into it. But before we do go into that, if you guys haven't read either uh, Shadowfall or Victory's Price, I would wait, come back. Because this is going to be, we're going to. I think we should do spoiler free at the top, and then dive right into it and just yeah, kinda... yeah. We can give our kind of general impressions, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, we'll we'll switch over to more detailed conversation that might include some some light spoilering. Sounds good. Uh, so right off the top of the bat, out of the two, uh, I think Victory's Price is definitely better. Yes, um, <laughs> that's an easy enough uh, summation right there. Yeah, uh, Victory's Price is the third book in the series. It is the the finale of the series, which is like it's crazy to think that usually the second book has a lot of weight to it. You know, it, it has to be that bridge. <laughs> yeah, you know. But yeah, it, and, and in the storied history of Star Wars, like middle chapters, uh doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of the empire oh, yeah. strikes back in terms of the last Jedi, including attack, attack clones, and clones yeah. my favorite, um, <laughs> probably the best ever, <laughs> yeah. you know, it really has to, to carry from the beginning of the story to the actual end goal of the story. And, right. but for whatever reason, it like Shadowfall does not seemingly do that. It's well, so let's start right off from the bat. Uh, just in the fact that like, 
when it comes to where the story is mm-hmm. and where the squad is themselves, uh, without giving too much away, like we don't get to know them as a squad. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we definitely spend, I mean, so to, to even go back to the original alphabet squadron novel, like, mm-hmm. yes, in that we kind of get this team building process. I mean, it, it's the kind of underlying plot of the first. It's a great, I mean, it's a great tool. Yeah. Uh, just being like these reluctant, you know, these reluctant warriors are kind of put in this situation where like, not only are they put into this, you know, it's supposed to be not even like an elite squad, but an intelligence gathering yes. squad yes. of flying ships. Inte- mind yes. you. Intelligence working group. And they just all happen to fly different spaceships. Right. All for different, different causes and such. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, so like the conceit there is good, but then like basically, I mean, we do get the classic Star Wars middle chapter mantra of trying to basically split everybody up. And they do it perfectly. <laughs> and they certainly do. Because, I mean, right off the top of the book, I mean, like I said, we start off with them as a squad, but it doesn't really seem like there's any gel holding them together or anything right. like that. And then once the breakup actually comes, it's like. Okay, you know, yeah. it's, it wasn't nearly as uh, dramatic as it could have been, I feel like. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're messy people. They yeah. don't especially like one another. And oh, like yeah. that part is true and it's important <laughs> to the story. Uh, but he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like you either. <laughs> but there's definitely something to be said that, like, unlike in, you know, Empire or Last Jedi or whatever the case may be, like, there isn't that it doesn't feel earned that they're just like going to go off and do their own separate things. Right. Well, even to that end, like with empire, it's Luke trying to get back to his friends or with the last Jedi, it's the Finn and Rose trying to get back to their friends in the resistance. Yes. Now with this, yes, it's them trying to get back together, but all on such looser terms. Like they don't call each other friends. They barely call each other comrades. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's hard to kind of preface that. And that whole overarching feeling I think leaks into the third book to its detriment. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't add to it as much. Yeah. And we never, I mean, there's literally probably about one chapter's worth of time where the entire alphabet squadron is actually back Alpha, together. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Even leading into like the, the penultimate, like the, the final, like the final battle <laughs> yes. and everything. It's like, yeah, you're still not. Mm, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to give too much away, but still. All right. I think that's enough on that. Let's let's just put it this way. Uh, Victory's Price was definitely better. Yes. But I need to dive into Shadows Fall a little bit, and we need to talk about some spoilers. So without further ado, spoilers ahead. Okay. Um, let's go into it. So as we said, they break up almost instantly. And now why do they break up in the, initially? It's, it's because uh, Karen Aiden, who is their handler, essentially, <laughs> uh, he like goes missing, I think is what happens. Yes. And when he goes missing, he sets out this uh, this uh, like alert, essentially, like this life alert that like, <laughs> if I'm not found, here's what I need everyone to know. And it's like Erica Quell's dirtiest secret. Yeah. And, so maybe, yeah. maybe before we even do that, let's kind of back up for a moment. Let's actually talk about who's in Alphabet Squadron. It's a good idea. Uh, yeah, we haven't really, yeah, we haven't really unpacked that yet. So the flight leader... Of Alphabet Squadron is Erica Quell. Lieutenant, yes, Erica Quell. Yes, Lieutenant Erica Quell, even though she's outranked by apparently two of her <laughs> subordinate <laughs> right? uh, Doesn't make any members. Sense. Yeah. Uh, so she is a 
an imperial defector from shadow shadow from shadowing the 204th yes the 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 antagonists of the books yes and she flies the x-wing yes uh most importantly that's she, why she's the leader she has yeah she because she has to fly <laughs> the one ship that everyone recognizes yeah um then we have captain nath tenzin yes the the second in command who flies the slowest ship Yes, uh, the, the Y uh, wing. I mean, he makes the Y wing so much cooler than it deserves to be. I'll give him that. Yes, but uh, yeah, uh, he kind of fills the role of the smuggler, the reluctant hero. Yes, the Han Solo of the group yeah, in a way. I mean, he also has imperial entanglements. He yes originally served in the Empire, then broke over to the Rebels, but then was kind of disillusioned with that. So he kind of went and did his own. He was doing some little was, piracy thing. He was doing piracy with like TIE fighters or something like that. He was running yes. protection or something like yes. that. And that's yeah, how protection Aiden racket. found him. Yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, so obviously his history is a little muddied. Muddied. And then uh, we have Will Lark, who by victory's price is Commander Will Lark. Right. Like he, <laughs> he kind of comes out of his shell to become the, the true leader. And like yes. at the, at, in the very first book, he is like the most timid. Like he barely he's like a turtle hiding in his shell. Yes. Like, he, you know, he doesn't really come out. He gets called out because he's like in love with his ship. Yeah. Like there's a point where he's talking. to. Oh, yeah. So, so he flies the A-wing. Uh, yes, and- he is the A-wing pilot. And he so his backstory is that he's from a planet called Polinius. Polinius. I wanted to say Polaris. And, I'm wrong. And if you were to tell me that Polinius is like the planet where you get unobtainium from. You would believe it. I would believe it because he on Polinius, there are these like there's this cast of flyers who fly on the backs of beasts uh, called Saravkas. Saravkas. I was trying to think what the heck they were called. So yeah, essentially. And so I imagine yeah. that he like has like the data connection port on his, on his ponytail. ponytail plugs it he, into the tail. It works out. Yeah. It's all natural. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I like. See, I see you. But I mean, that adds to his character. Like as goofy as it is, I think it adds to his character in, yeah. in the sense that like, He's so in tuned with how to fly because, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, one with this living creature. Yes. And he kind of translates that into his A-wing to the point where, like, throughout the first book, people make fun of him for talking to his A-wing yes. like it's a living thing. Exactly. And he still carries that over the three books. Like, yes. he's still talking to yeah. his ship. And he is definitely the the most gifted pilot. Yeah. Although, and I mean, obviously, we're not quite really talking about Victory's Price yet, but we also learned that he's actually not a very good shot. No, no. Like, he is an excellent flyer. He's not a great... Killer. Killer. Yeah. Uh, which will... I don't want to kill no more. It's not good. Yeah, that'll come into play down the road. <laughs> uh, then we have, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Chasna Chaddock. Who wants to kill everybody. Yes. She's and she's probably... Yeah, she's probably the worst pilot. Like, I feel like she is constantly... She's like, crashing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> she loses her uh, S-foils all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so she flies the B-Wing, which is right. my favorite. Um, and I liked her character in the first book. And then over the course of the next two books, she really just became like so disliked. Yeah. I liked her in the first book based on the fact that like she was this, she had this very, uh, real like survivor's guilt to her. You know, she was the last survivor of her squad, much like Will was. And that was supposed to be something that they bonded over, but it never really like came to pass it felt like right you know and she kind of took it in a different direction where like will was more respectful of it she was kind of indifferent to it she just kind of puts it like eh, i I don't want to you know i don't want to deal with anything i just want to get shot down already and just join my squad mates sort of situation exactly yeah she she kind of has this uh 
you know, like a death wish. almost. Yeah. Like, like almost like suicide by Imperial kind of mentality. Yeah. Like she wants to go down in a, a blaze of glory, but even to her backstory, like I like the fact that, I mean, I'm calling her Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant, just <laughs> yes. for the rest of this review, that character's Lieutenant Dan. She's died at this every character. single America wall. This, that's yeah. I'm, I'm holding up the book here. She's a feland, I think is what the feland, uh, yeah, feland. Yes, uh, but uh, even to that end, uh, one of her uh, characteristics uh, is that uh, to a point she loses it, but like to a point she has uh, a lot of rare and like unreleased <laughs> her, like yeah, her music EPs and music and stuff yes. like that, and like it's, some of it's hilarious because it's like Hattie's opera or yeah. like Deveronian <laughs> rap stuff like that. Like it's just the most outrageous stuff out there, and like she'll just pop it in and play it over her speakers, yes. and so like instead of hearing her you know talk to you and say Roger that, you're just hearing ba bum ba bum ba bum, you know, like hearing the music go. So I thought that was a cool characteristic of her. Yes. And then you find out more of her actual backstory in Shadowfall. And like her over her story in Shadowfall made me dislike her the most, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But like that's I mean, I'll get to it. Um, but let's move on to the final final the, member of the squad. We've yes. got Kairos. Kairos. Uh, we've mentioned a pre Ooh. we mentioned her previously. Yes. Uh, she, is she a, flies the U Wing. Yes. The uh because of course she does. Because we need a, a U-wing in a squad. Like, it, 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 <laughs> Gotta it makes have one, sense. right? It makes perfect sense. I mean, don't even tell me it doesn't make sense because it does. <laughs> but anyway, she is of an unidentified species. We <laughs> never learn what the species is. Really, we don't. It's yes. it's it's incredible. We go to her home planet in Victory's Price, and you still don't know what the species is called or what the planet's called. You just know that her species kind of has a. Um, so uh, she's Yoda's sister. <laughs> is what, is what you're telling me. Except that she wears like this weird faceplate, and she's covered like a mummy. She like, wears like literal wrappings, and like I feel like there was a thread involved in terms of like why she was called Kairos. You know, like it's the a, capital of Egypt. Yeah, kind of mummy esque <laughs> thing. Uh, the, the, my eye roll. No one can. No, <laughs> no one. No one listening can see it. But my eye roll was very severe there. <laughs> I saw your eye roll through the audio format. Oh. There you go. But. Felt it. <laughs> yeah, but then eventually that kind of subplot, I feel like, just kind of fades away. And then we get a different subplot, which is interesting. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, like, she's she's like an action hero in her own <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, she, like, you know, she, rather than, like, the Ewing being, like, the support craft, it is just, like, the she, heavy. She takes it out. <laughs> There's a point in Victory's Price where they're describing how she's flying, and she's literally doing like spins mm-hmm. while she's shooting forward and then shooting out of the back hatch with a bow caster. Yes. Like, like Chewie's she is yeah, weapon. She, the, the, yeah. The, the, her Ewing is on autopilot it's ridiculous. and she is personally shooting her bow caster out of the open hatch in the back. It's the so ship. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like they make her out to be such a badass. Yeah. And then, like I said, that her whole backstory is, it's very weird. Like, to a certain point, you can kind of understand, like, okay, this this is why it is the way it is and why she is doing what she's doing. So her whole thing, going back to the wrappings and the faceplate and stuff like that, it's a matter – I think the way she explains it, it's not um, it's not healing. It's, it's, uh, it's not restoring. It's rejuvenation or something like that. I yeah. think it's the way she puts it. Yeah. But essentially she the, – the wraps acts as, like, a, a chrysalis. It acts like um, – like a uh, a butterfly, she is changing. She's, in a cocoon. She's changing. Yes, it's like a yeah. cocoon, and that's kind of how they put. It. Like so, by the time her chrys, you know, her chrysalis cracks, she 
becomes her pure form, and yes. thus she walks away into the into the light, or yeah. whatever. You know? And and I guess real real briefly, then like kind of the ancillary characters to uh, Alphabet Squadron. And we don't even have to get into shadowing; they're not important. No, um, there's one character that's important, and that's it. Yeah, but we we'll uh, do him. But so we have Karen Aiden, who you've mentioned. He's like the handler. He's yeah. He is of the same race as Elon Slees Bagano. He is. He's a. Um, he's got the ten- the antenna on his <laughs> yes. head. I can't think of his name. <laughs> or it, it's a. Yeah, you know it. I don't know it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a humanoid species. It can pass for human, in other words. Yes. And then we have his droid, mm. ITO, ITO, which is, which is a, a converted Imperial interrogation droid. Which I, that's always cool. <laughs> basically just saying it's like I'm just here to help <laughs> and accidentally like installs you with poison yes oh, there you go then we actually get uh, the reemergence of General Hera Syndulla yeah which that was cool but uh, I felt like they could have done so much more with her character <laughs> and they do thing. they do the same thing that like as we talked about in our last book review where we talked about uh, Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, mm-hmm. where basically there's a part of the story that's just, oh, you have to read this book to know what's happening. Yes, yes. They, do, they actually do that first here in Shadowfall, where like basically the events of Shadowfall kind of take place because Hera has to leave. Yes. Because she has to go then to serve her in, in Star Wars Squadrons. The, the, ga- the, the game that came out that we reviewed recently... And even to that end, Duncan has his face in his hands. So he's listening to this whole thing. Even to that end, there's a point in the third book where, like, they're talking about their strategy for the big fa- the, the big final battle. And I think Nath Tanzan leans over to Hera and was like, do you think, like, what was it, Vanguard Squadron could possibly, like, yeah. like it was a name drop so obvious yeah. at that point. But, yeah. And, like, it, it really was just, like, the whole, the, the overarching like destruction and like the the downfall in Shadowfall is a result of that game. <laughs> if she hadn't gone off to like you know have fun with Vanguard Squadron, things might have been different, or she might have been dead. Who knows? Also, could have happened. Uh, oh, by the way, it's a Balasar. Balasar. Balasar is the species. Nice. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I, again, so the 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 big f- plot point that like got to me in Shadowfall, and this is going to lead into it is the fact that once Karen had, you know, gone missing and he let out this uh, this info uh, dump, About essentially. the history of Erika Quell. Yes. The rest of Alphabet Squadron finds out that Erika Quell not only used to be in Shadowfall, or Shadow, Shadow, Squad, Wing. Shadow Wing, but she was, like, uh, the proponent, like, the the spearhead of Operation Cinder. And well, I don't know. Like, I don't like feel that. like that's quite right. But She's, that's how that's how um, that's how Chaz, they yeah, yeah interpret it. But but she was kind of like an unwilling participant. But she was just she following still, orders. She still like, went through with it. Exactly. She went through with it. I understand that, and I'm yeah. not saying that justifies Quell's no 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 behavior or anything like that. But she like, defected for a reason. She, I mean, she does genuinely. I think realized she was wrong. Oh yeah. After the fact, <laughs> but it, it's like, that's also kind of, I mean, to kind of get meta about it, that's the point of these books is to ask those types of questions. Yeah. And that that's goes into the name victory's price. Like what's the price you would pay for victory. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think that's why I liked the last one more is because they took these questions. They started asking in Shadowfall and then gave it more of a satisfactory answer. Yes. Now Shadowfall was more about um, splitting the team up. And even going towards that, like I said, like we have, I think, one mission 
where all five of them are actually together doing something good. Yeah. And then this all happens once Hera leaves. Mm-hmm. And then this news comes out. And then Chaz, more than anybody else, like singles out Erica in the in the uh in the uh, in the hangar, yes. And Will's like doesn't want anything to do with it, and Nath is just like huh, I already do, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like- Nath already knows it, you know. And and ultimately, her like Erica's story again is not that different than Nath's. But yeah, and it's like <laughs> well, at this point, it's like well, you know, why Chaz was getting so worked up over it was like kind of uh, uh, beyond me. Yes, you know. But like she took it so personally, and it just led to her own downfall through the whole freaking book. Yes. So, well, yeah, she goes off and joins a cult, so don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, literally. Yeah. Seems legit. So, like, uh, Chaz's character, like, she grew up in a cult, and then she left that cult, and then joined the Rebels, and then there's the events of Shadowfall happen, so she gets split up with the Rebels and ends up joining another cult. Yes. Because she's like, I just need to hide out. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, and, I like, part of it is she understands that all of these cults are essentially just griffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, she's fully aware of that. And, like, that's kind of why she does it. She knows how to get in. <laughs> yeah. Like, she knows how to play that game of sorts. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. It's, I just don't understand, like, why that's such a powerful motivation to her. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And at that point of her being the kind of person, just being like, just put me out of my misery, give me up to my squad. Like, yeah. wait. What she chooses to do in in you basically know, hiding and hiding, yeah, and then even on the other side of it with Nath and uh, Will, yes, like their whole story is essentially like I liked their story probably the most out yeah. of it all because it yeah, was it was actually like Will coming into his his role yeah, as, a commander. as a leader, yeah, and we we kind of get some some of that classic rebel spirit where yes, you know they are kind of building this like militia force to like defend the planet of Troyth yes. from Shadow Wing. So like the there's no capital ships. Shadow Wing and uh parts of Alphabet Squadron are stranded on opposite sides of this moon or whatever. And that's leads into this like very ragtag fight. And that makes it much more personal. It's like you're not just fighting Star Destroyers against Star Destroyers or anything like that. It's like you're actually like one on one. Right. And it gives Will that much more perspective onto his choices into Victory's Price. Yes. Um but yeah. Um, I think that story overall, I liked the, the overall ending with, uh, Erica and her and ITO and Aiden being on that mysterious planet. Was that a Sith planet? Yes. Which Sith planet was that? I don't know. They they never, they never (laughs) truly mentioned, did they? No. But the way that they described it the entire time, I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, it sounds like Korriban or like one of these planets that just got zapped of life. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're feeling. Is just they're just slowly being suffocated by hate and yes. anger and stuff like that. Exactly. So, but uh, I mean, there's even a point where doesn't she like find like Sith technology or whatever? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I mean the like you know the the ship that they find. Well, they find like a, a Sith temple basically. Right. Right. Um, they don't know how to open it. There's yeah. like something around here. Yeah. Yeah. And they basically like have to go into this like hate trance yes, to open right. the door. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like that, I don't honestly mind that much, I guess. It's better with you in something like Rebels, though, when you can yeah. actually see it displayed. Yes, you know. exactly. It just doesn't translate as well, no matter how you slice it, whether you're reading, whether you're listening. Right. And I will say, I actually listened to Shadowfall. Ah. Uh, I do own it as well, or mm. physically have it, but... Uh, so I'll say as much to that end, talking about the audiobook real quick. There was a different 
narrator for each book. Yes. And I think that's what threw me off the most. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forget who did the very first novel. Saskia Marvelid. Uh, well, the second one was... Um, Carol Monda, right? Carol Monda, because it was, yeah, she's, she usually does... Um, most famously, I remember like the first time ever hearing her narrate, she did the uh, Aunt Beru story from, from a certain point of view. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then January Lavoie did Victory's Price. And I very much enjoyed that because she's the one who did Alpha, uh, Afra. I mean, yes. Dr. Afra story. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. Well, I thought that was. Um, or was that. Uh, that's Emily Wu Zeller. It was that. There's Emily Wu Zeller. Never mind that. <laughs> well, uh, January, but January Lavoie did, I think. I mean, she's done a lot of... The, she like, does I, jump in. Yeah, I think she maybe did, like, uh, uh, Bloodline, yes. the Claudia Gray, yes. Gray novel. Yeah, and that was a good one. I yeah. know we haven't talked about that, but yeah. that was an interesting story in itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I, I was just saying as much, in, like, going back into reading versus listening, like, it, it will throw you off. And, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing when you have Mark Thompson and he's able to just kind of fall <laughs> into these different roles. Yeah. You know, but when you have three different people bringing three different affectations to characters, <laughs> it's like you start to lose the thread. Yeah. You know? no, I, I agree with that. And, like, I mean, I, I think I've talked about this way back when when we talked about the original Alphabet Squadron is, like, mm. I, I also had that. Like I had that both ways, but eventually I just took over reading it. Like yeah. I was like, I'm not really liking this presentation. Like and and like I was on vacation, it's, so like I just I had the way. ability to just sit and just read it. <laughs> and you know, and as we get into this, like Shadowfall, I listened to like while working, and it was just like it just felt muddy. Yeah, you know, it was just hard to draw a lot of clear lines in terms of what was even happening or even try and enjoy yourself at that point yeah. it's it's hard to sink your you know put place your bets with one person mm. you know it's, yeah. it's hard to say like well i like this story individually right and like and that's kind of the point of it like going back to the idea of the the, the bridge movies and stuff like that like they all usually end on the down note because yes. it's that's it's it's all going to be solved in the third yeah. act and it's certainly and i mean this story is no exception but but it's just like it's just not even enjoyable to get to that point. Right. Well, let let's get to that point now. Yes. Let's move so on let's to talk Victory's about Price. Victory's Price. And now Victory's Price, I read in its entirety, page mm-hmm. one to page four hundred and fifty-five or something. It's a long book. Yes. Um, and it overall, I enjoy it a lot more. I still think it kind of ends a little weak. Oh, it does definitely. <laughs> it just kind of ended out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, comp- I mean, if you're comparing it to something like the aftermath trilogy, which had like a, a epic conclusion. Yeah. You know, this is like comparatively yeah. very subdued. Yes. Um, but that being said, victory's place takes place 11 months after the battle of Endor. It's, um, it's setting off itself so that eventually it's going to lead to the battle of Jakku, the, the, the last battle. And I do like that. And I have a lot of time for that within these stories. It's like, yeah, yeah tell me the other like other perspectives about right. these major marquee events. We already know so much, not, not only from the Aftermath series, but from Lost Stars, there's another perspective on the Battle of Jakku. And then uh, from the Battlefront yeah, 2, too, yeah. there's another perspective on uh, on that. But it, it, it was cool to hear, because this is another one where it's like, it's not only taking, it, it's it's in space and it's uh, on on the ground. And then even at that, like there were points where they were talking about like the Starhawks being attacked, and I was thinking to myself of the conclusion of the Aftermath series. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of like uh, Commander Key or, or uh, what was her name? Um, either way, the 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 New Republic commander, Augate, Augate yeah, Commander Augate, just taking the uh, the Starhawk and just 
ripping down the Superstar Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, but they never even talked about it. Like in this book, I just knew it was happening in the background. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's like one sequence where they kind of reference like, oh, one of the star, one of the new Starhawks is being completely overrun. Yes. Yeah. But then it like it cuts away and you don't actually see, see what, what happens. happens. It's but so sad. You, but if you know, <laughs> yeah, like if you know aftermath, you know what's happening. In if, that scene, if you play Battlefront Two, I think if you play on the Jakku map and you play long enough, you could see in the background the Star Destroyer Deliverance falling or whatever. It's not the Deliverance, uh, Finalizer or whatever it is. Either way, you could see it falling. To and I always thought that was a really cool like imagery. You know, yes. I wish you could see the Starhawk pulling it down, but <laughs> yeah. still. Um, well, I don't. I don't think they ever decided what the Starhawk actually looked like until, until Squadrons. Squadrons, and then they were like, "That's it." Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the point. Yeah. It is like literally recycled Star Destroy. <laughs> exactly. They're not trying to make it look like you know arrowheads or yeah. like devilish or anything like that. Exactly. But the other set piece, maybe in Star Wars Battlefront Three, we'll Ooh, see that. Here's hoping twenty twenty. <laughs> Something. Uh, Nine. <laughs> uh, to that end, um, going forward, uh, the other set piece at the end of this book, which yes. I we were talking about this before we got the mics going. I was like, I'm all in for this. Yeah. This is something that we don't hear enough about. And it was the Coruscant, uh, yes. you know, under occupation by the, the Imperials that entire year. Return of the Jedi happens. Okay. Uh, Death Star 2 is exploded. Uh, and... I mean, this is all gathered from the beginning of the Aftermath trilogy. Yes. Uh, the the statue of Palpatine falls, and then next thing you know, the security guards come in and just start wreaking havoc. And then the entire planet is basically put on lockdown. No ships in, no ships out. And you, this, it stays this way for an entire galactic year. Stupid Masamita. Right. And he's <laughs> like the figurehead because there's no emperor anymore. It's just this guy who was like, well, he had all the plans. I'm just... Sort yeah. of sitting here. I was literally his stooge, but yeah. I'm the only one still standing. And guess what? I can't even turn myself in. Yeah. I can't even kill myself. <laughs> like I can't turn I, myself in because <laughs> Leia and Organa, you know, they don't want me. Yeah. And then like I can't kill myself because they've locked the balcony door. They take away my blaster. Like oh my it, it's crazy. <laughs> and then he gets rescued by the Ankle Biter Brigade. It's yes. so great. All right, which are children. Which are children. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so say good. it's either it's either children or uh, just a whole bunch of shit suits. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. And that's essentially it. Yeah. You never know. An anthropomorphic shih tzu is the leader. <laughs> yeah. His name is. No, I'm not going to say it. Uh, but, like, and so to that, like, I really enjoyed that because of that. And even, again, going back into parts of the Aftermath series, we've seen. Um, oh, what's her name? The. Uh, the emperor, the uh, fleet commander. Uh, Sloan? Sloan. Sloan at one point goes not only just to Coruscant, but she goes to this information belly dump that Soren Keys, the antagonist through these books, yes. uh, is trying to get access to. Yes. So the, the, the overarching story of him going to Coruscant is to destroy the Imperial data bank. Yes. And the reason he wants to do that. Yes. You go ahead. Yeah. So his motivation is that he wants, you know, previously Imperial people mm-hmm. to be able to live freely essentially which is to say that like he's afraid that new republic justice will like want to persecute all former imperials make it like the french revolution exactly the, 
beheading every two, 15 minutes sort yes. of situation. And his whole point is like, yes, the fighting needs to end. Like, yeah. like he's in agreement sort of with Alphabet Squadron, with the New Republic. But it's what side he's on and where he stands yes. when it ends that he's so, most worried about. Yes. So he hatches this plan because the 204th Shadow Wing mm-hmm. has one of the messen or like one of the courier droids yes yeah uh, like the, the, the that we see in battlefront 2 has yeah. like the red car- cape on it and it's just admiral Vizio, operation <laughs> cinders in effect that guy yes exactly yeah. uh and so basically he has the droid analyzed after mm-hmm. erica kills it yeah well i mean of course why wouldn't you that thing's creepy i would definitely kill it <laughs> i would have killed it it's got the ago. face of the, immediately uh, yeah the face of like essentially uh, the devil. Yes. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah. And, and even he like, I mean, he's even damaged it and like broke the face. Yeah, yeah. He broke the face plate in shadow fall because he's just creeped out by it. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm all about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then they, oh. they have the droid analyzed and that's how he learns that there is this massive repository of information about every like yes. evil, hateful, hurtful act no matter anybody, no matter how big or small, whatever you have done, <laughs> he's gathered at the Imperial. And I kind of like this aspect thinking about like, there's a so lot. So it's the naughty list. It's the naughty list times a thousand. Like it, it's, it's crazy to think about. It's like any negative thoughts you would have ever had or anything like that. Yeah. It feeds into so many different avenues of the emperor. Yes. Like it's the fact that like, we got this dirt on you. That's yeah. one thing, one major thing. And then the other side of it is that he's a Sith Lord. He literally feeds on fear and hate and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, this is kind of like him just going through, this is him going through like the, the, you know, the uh, classified as just being like, good, <laughs> good. And yeah. it's like, see, and that's, that's also going into the idea of like, why would people do genocide? Why would they do Operation Cinder? Why would they push the button on the Death Star? It's all out of fear. Yes. It's all out of fear of not doing it. Because not only are they would they hurt you, but it's like what kind of information do they have on you? Yeah. At that point, it's kind of it's it's uh, it on adds on you a, and on everyone you've ever loved. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and it, yeah. Yeah, and like honestly, I mean, I'm not even kidding to say like just the way they characterize the emperor in this novel in yeah. victory's price is like one of my very favorite that I we've agree. ever seen. Cause it's a whole nother like view of him. Yeah. You just see him as an old decrepit man with lightning yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And you but now get, you're actually understanding like the way, his, yeah, the way like his that. brain kind of works. It, 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 like I said, going again, it, it makes total sense yes like the whole fear and anger and everything it just it's a it feeds perfectly into what he is as an emperor yes. of the sith and all that all that crap yes um so uh there's a lot of cons with these books um and we kind of joked about this before but i kind of want to double back to this is the fact that since they're called alphabet squadron <laughs> you would think they would be more of a squadron and they, they <laughs> that's it's complete opposite yeah. so like we said with the shadow fall they're broken up and then they have like one mission together at the beginning of the book. And then throughout Victory's Price, there's one moment where they're all in the same room. Yes. Like literally through the entire book, <laughs> there's one moment where they're all in the same room. And then from that point on, even to the end, never again. Yeah. You I never mean, see all five of them I, in the same yeah, room Yeah, I mean, there's, there's something genuinely comical that like <laughs> the, you know, the final set piece storyline Right. Basically, like on Jakku anyway. Yeah. And and I, you know, I will still say that's like where the 
story kind of ends. Although obviously we have this Coruscant sub yeah. subplot, and we won't get into the details on that. We'll I mean, save that for yeah. whoever wants to read it. Exactly, but um, <laughs> you know, but ultimately, it's like there are two Alphabet Squadron members actually flying in the final set piece battle of every- this. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds silly, but like at one point or another, everyone literally just says, I'm done. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah. like Will has a very cool like duel. I thought that was probably my favorite part of the book. Uh-huh. There's a point where he has this epic one on one fight with Soren Keys, the the like the leader of Shadow Wing. And it's a very cool like the way it's described and everything. And obviously him being a, from Polinius and being like a, a flyer, mm-hmm. like it was cool. And like Soren Keys even says as much as like, it's been a while since I've been up against a Polinian. Like he's like, he knows their history and stuff like that. So it adds to it. But yeah, he gets shot down and he's like, I don't want to fight anymore. Like yeah. he, gets, he gets all scared about it. <laughs> and then like Nath is like, I think I'm just going to sneak out of here because I'm just a dirty backstabber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then exactly. Chas is like, I don't have any music anymore. So I think I'm going to leave too. Like, <laughs> It's literally like just like I'm all done, and even freaking Kairos, yeah. who goes through like the craziest transformation in this book, she's like, you know what, I'm done, and literally just walks <laughs> away. Just walks away. <laughs> and like, like that is where her story ends. We don't hear anything else from it for the rest of the book. It's just so freaking silly. Like yes. they all just walk away at one point or another. And that's all I kept thinking through this yeah. whole book. Which like even, is like, what's I mean, the- we even get that perspective, like from Hera. <laughs> right. She's <laughs> like, I think I'm done. I want to go see my son. Yeah. Like, I just got to get out of here. We get a nice little nod to the ghost. We actually see the yes, ghost in a way, which yes. is fun. But still, like, everybody is just like, one point or another, it's like, I'm done. Yeah. And this is it. We're, we're walking away. Even Soren Keys. Yeah. Soren Keys like he, literally is just like, you're in command now. I'm going to go to Coruscant. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he definitely. He, regardless of what would befall him, he was not coming back. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. I'm going to go back to being called Devin or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Devil. my God. God, man. So. I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to get that part out. Cause it really was like comical to me the entire time. Like yes. listening to it, just thinking like, this, <laughs> then just quit. Yeah. Just take your ball and go home, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, is there any other, uh, tidbits you can, you were thinking about bringing up or, uh, Anything crossing your mind? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think the the aim of Alphabet Squadron is desirable. Like, it's, you know, I think it's an admirable effort to tell a story that doesn't tie in otherwise to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the greater Skywalker saga. Right. A loose... Ooh, actually, I do want to bring something up. It's uh, Will talking about his night on Endor. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was a very cool section. Oh yeah, yeah. We should we should talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Go for it. So there's a point where um, Will and Chas are kind of talking about uh, after the Battle of Endor, which they were both a part of, right? And everyone's celebrating and doing their thing on Endor after the destruction of the Death Star, and Will just decides to take a walk in the woods. And at one point, he comes across this bonfire with one individual by it. And upon further inspection, he finds out it's Luke Skywalker, the, the fabled Luke Skywalker. And he's watching Darth Vader burn. And, like, in his mind, he sees, like, Luke looking mournful and, like, respectful towards Vader burning. And he's just thinking to himself, like, but why? <laughs> like, this is a mass murderer. Like, this is the like the villain. Why are you, like showing him respect or any reverence or anything like this. And that kind of leads into Will's character later on, just being like, you can see their respect on either side. We may have differing opinions and stuff like that, but ultimately 
you're just another person like I am and stuff like that. And it's weird that it takes the funeral pyre of Darth Vader yes. to show him that perspective. Yeah. So and yeah. it's just, it's also cool just to think, cause you look at that fire from the perspective of an audience member. And yeah, we got to see the redemption of Darth Vader. So we know that this is Anakin at the funeral. It's not Darth Vader. Right. But for any other passerby in this moment, they're just like, why is he crying? Yeah. Like we killed the guy. Like guys, we, we that's space Hitler. <laughs> space don't, Hitler. Don't, like, I hope those are happy tears. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. got <laughs> so some smoke in his eye. That's all. Yeah. No, but that's, that's all I'm getting at is like, it, that's a cool, it, it's a very cool tie. And it's a very unique way of looking at it. I don't know. Yeah. That's no, f- fully say. agreed. And it is like it. And I certainly do feel like, I mean, I think you and I would probably agree that like, will is, our favorite character? I would say so, yeah. I mean, he's my favorite character. Chaz in the first book was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But overall, Will yeah. like Will literally becomes the hero. Like Erica is the center focus. She's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But Will is the like he is the rebel like re- rebel hero. Yeah. Like to the and, Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I feel like that's something that these stories do a really nice job of is like mm-hmm. you kind of don't understand all of the machinations that are going on right. around you know, the main storylines. And like, I think there's this really subtle, really delicate writing process that like Alexander Freed does. Yes. And you know, and it, and it actually, when it does pay off in a meaningful way, it's really good, but there's just like something about a lot of the story that just doesn't like, it's like, it's not what you're expecting, but not in a good way. Well, no, I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, and also leading into just, uh, like Alexander Freed himself, like when he did, um, Twilight Company, the mm-hmm. uh, the first like Battlefront like lead in novel. Yes, um, you know he he's he had the crazy task of taking just like a group of random people essentially and trying to insert them into some of the major conflicts you know from the stories. It sometimes it hit, sometimes it didn't. You know, and it's exciting to see him go for these books and just kind of have not only that, but just to kind of build on that story. Yeah, you know, and see where he can go from exactly. There. Yeah, so this is kind of like that in long form. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And as I say, it's like, I I don't know. I mean, I do like these stories in general. I mean, I think the, I think alphabet squadron and I think victory's price are stronger entries, but at the same time, like you still need Shadowfall to kind of be that bridge, but it just does it in such a weird way. It is. It's weird. I mean, like you can also see that he's bringing up some, uh, some like past, so he did the novelization for Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, and which that one oh, I yeah. I liked. It, <laughs> yeah. it was it was okay, but like that's probably his most notable beyond these two. Yeah, right. And and Jin Erso is like Chas's. It's like, like her hero. Yeah. There's a point where like when she joins the the cult, she doesn't call herself Chas. She calls herself uh, um, Maya Halleck. Maya Halleck. I was gonna say it the other way around, uh, which is uh, Jin Erso's synonym. Like it's her cover-up name yeah. that she used whenever she got picked up by the mm. re- rebels at the beginning of the movie. So it's a fun thing on like that. And even to that point, like there's a point where she's like, rebellions are built on hope. That's what she said. That's what Jin said. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And she wants to view herself, Chaz wants to view herself as that re- rebellion hero who gave everything to solve, you know, everything. I don't know. That, you know what I'm trying to say. He gave everything to get the Death Star plans, blah, yes. blah, blah, save the day. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, it's just a fun little, fun little thing, but yeah, I don't know. I, I would have liked Chaz. I just thought her direction went crazy. 
Erica, like, really, she's hard to really pin down. Because she has a couple good moments, mm-hmm. but, like, she's not my favorite by a long shot. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the point that I'm trying to get at is just that, like, you know, we're so focused on this character of Erica and, like, you keep waiting for her to, like... Have a moment. Yeah, to have a moment. And it just kind of doesn't come. But in a way, that's what allows all these other characters to have their moments. Right. And... Building on the squad. Yeah. And, and some of that is, you know, some of that really works. You know, I think it works with Will. I think it... I mean, I, and I think like, I really enjoy reading math mm. and just like, he is this like smug, smarmy, like he's self-absorbed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, to that end, I think his story is probably the weakest Yeah, in a way. I mean, because he's kind of predictable. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and like, he always acts like he understands all these other characters so well. Right. But meanwhile, like he is like the most like basal driven it's a one note sort yeah. of situation yeah, yeah. no i, I agree with that but like i there's like genuine comedy in just like his like worldview versus like how easy he actually is to read he also has a slapstick uh droid counterpart yes uh what's his name it's uh, like t5 t5 it's essentially uh like a, a squat astromech like r2d2 and all that so yeah a little bit of a snarky droid yeah. if you will and he's just like kind of cobbled together and just like <laughs> covered in like matte green paint like yeah just, very ugly droid apparently yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know uh definitely victory's price is uh much better than Shadowfall. i won't so to kind of get my final thought on it, I won't say like, oh, you have to read it just so you could read Victory's Price. I will say this. It's a it this is a this is a different Star Wars story. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not what you would expect from the usual formula. Yeah. I think it's a much more adult way of looking at the battles overall and mm. the overall message of war. Yeah. I it mean makes just you remember like war is hell. Right. <laughs> like Soren Keys' story in general, like I know we didn't really talk too much on him. But like his whole perspective on everything, as crazy as it seems, he's like, yeah, this has to stop. Yeah. But I won't stop until I have yeah. security I wanna, for my people. Yeah, I want to protect my people and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Yeah. Like, but, you know, the only the only alternative is I buy them their freedom or they're going to die. Like, <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 a whole conundrum there. Um. Yeah, I, uh, I I guess I'll give uh, Shadowfall just a uh, run of the mill. I'll give it a 2.5. It's not great. It's not yeah. good. Out of 10? Out of 10. <laughs> out of 5. Out of 5, okay. We'll give it halfway there. And then Victory's Price, I'm going to put that closer to like a 3.5 for me. Fair enough. I might even go, I'm going to kind of bracket you a little bit. I'll give Shadowfall a 2. Like mm. it's, it's not my favorite. Yeah, um, it, it's not one you're excited to get back to anytime soon. Yeah, but yeah. I would maybe give Victory's Price a four. All right, I can feel that. It the first two thirds essentially, yeah, are probably potentially even higher. But then, as I say, like the by the end, it just I feel like it just kind of loses a little bit of its steam. Great think, set pieces, yeah, but it's yeah, it's it like you're and we, the chorus. I mean, actually, I will say the Coruscant storyline. It's yeah, nailed it. Because yeah. uh, going back to what we were saying before, if you give me more Coruscant at that time, post prequel era, yeah, I'll always be about it. Yeah, you know, I want to see the, I want to see the Imperial Temple. I want to yeah. see all this stuff. I want to see the security guards go. I want to see the Ankle Biter Brigade on <laughs> Disney Plus, gang. You want to talk about a kids show? 
just get Iggy in there with his one eye. That's it. <laughs> uh, but oh, that being my. said, um, do you want to finish out today with uh, what we usually do? A uh, little quizzy quiz, quiz a biz, or do we want to just kind of follow up well, with everything? Let's. I think we still have a little more to talk about. Let's talk about it. So let's just set aside the the quiz for this week. Okay. Easy peasy. Indefinitely, indefinitely until next Uh, time. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah. So I mean, with that said, we you know we're really happy that we were able to come here, do this episode today, make it all happen. Yes. But at the same time, I think we've kind of decided that we're going to extend our summer break a little longer. Uh, at least into like once, once bad batch is finalized and we can really kind of start to unpack what we learn in that. I mean, I think we're all loving it. Yes, uh, uh, for sure. Very excited to talk about it once it's all completed. Amiga. Yeah. Amiga. Amiga. Crosshair. Hunter. Wrecker. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wrecker. Tick. Tick. Sorry. But it's F-A. just, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I got Brian cracking up over there. I'm sorry. I totally didn't just hit my head on the wall. <laughs> I saw that. It's all good. I'm sorry. As you were, Andrew. But anyway, I think our, our mindset is just, it, it is like, we need to see where it's going to end. Like right. I think to be able to really unpack it and mm-hmm. spend some time with it. So we don't want to do that. And then we're going to have Star Wars Visions coming up. And then we have additional books in the future. Um, I'll, I'll kind of put that on the back burner. You can talk about that, Connor. Yeah. And then, you know, by late winter or uh, late fall, like we're going to have Book of Boba Fett. Yes. And that whole shebang. So uh, to that end for like Book of Boba Fett, no, let's put it this way. I think for live action moving forward, since we did it with the Mandalorian, yeah. and we might benefit from doing a weekly, like a weekly show just for that format alone. Right. But everything else, after the fact, we might go back to like a bi-weekly thing once yes. we get back to a steadier schedule. Yes. You know? Yes. But, so, uh, so we don't have, you know, so I guess the idea is we're going to just kind of hit pause for right now. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going away for a year like we did last time or anything like that. But just kind of officially recording that, you know, we're just going to wait until we have, you know, full uh, coffers again to, yeah. to break down. Catch ourselves up on more uh, Bad Batch, and once that's all said and done, maybe we'll come back for that. Yes. Um, but to that end, um, to kind of preface the book club ideas that we're going for, the next book in our book club is actually one that just came out uh, as recently as this recording. Uh, it is Star Wars, The High Republic, The Rising Storm. Yes. I'm very excited to get my hands on it. I saw it at Target yesterday. I had my hands on it for two seconds. My wife said we have to go buy groceries. I said, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but wait, I can eat this. <laughs> turns out you can't. I got eat about a book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get my hands on it eventually and actually uh, read it. I know, Andrew, you're the same way. We yes. both very enjoyed the, the Light of the Jedi. And I'm excited to see the continuation of this story as well. Yes. Um, and then... You know, moving forward after that, I know we have to talk about the Thrawn books, and we're going to have the third, like the conclusion uh, book later on this year. Yes. So we might benefit for after doing The Rising Storm, mm-hmm. we might benefit from doing the Thrawn trilogy after that. The right. books two and three, so, much yeah. like we did with Shadowfall with, and Victory yeah. Spice today. Exactly. So, um, and it works out because it's all the same uh, same author and everything so we don't have to keep repeating ourselves or anything yes uh but uh yeah so to that end um 
Next time we come back to talk, uh, we're either going to be doing the Bad Batch review or we're going to be doing uh, the Rising book club, Storm. the Rising yes. Storm. So keep that in your pockets. Looking yes. very excited about that. Yeah, go read the Rising Storm. I mean, Light of the Jedi is phenomenal. Like it's I think we're very excited about uh, the whole High Republic story. I'm so, I'm very excited to see where it's going to go moving forward. Yes. Um, I know that there's just way too many like comic book lines that I need to get at. I saw a little timeline for how everything fits uh-huh. and I'm not too far out. If you're just reading the comics and everything like that, it's going to relate to like the main story narrative, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be like, Oh, if you don't know this and you're going to miss out, mm-hmm. I will say it's, I mean, it, that's kind of what shadow falls fallen ill too. Cause you also have the tie fighter tie in and stuff yes. like that. So, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that being said, We'll, we'll be talking about that next time. If you have anything else you want to talk to us about, you can always hit us up at our Instagram at Greedo Shot First Podcast, all one word, or you can hit us up on at First Greedo at Twitter. And if you want to listen to any past episodes or this episode in general, you can leave a rate and review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify or at our website at Reggie'sHousePodcast.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, uh, book ideas, uh, topic ideas, anything like that, you can send us an email at GreedoShotFirstPod at gmail.com. That's all one word. GreedoShotFirstPod at gmail.com, all one word. And with all that being said, I'm excited to get back to this at some point. I hope the rest of you guys are enjoying your summer vacation and, uh, you know, just have a great time. Ryan, did you have a good time? I had a wonderful time. Andrew, you have a good time? It's a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was.